Hey, can we give it up for all the veterans that have served? All of them. Dave, thank you for your service. Anybody serving right now? Anybody who's ever served? Thank you so much. Man, we live in a great country and we are so blessed. And uh, it's one of the things I, one of the first things I fell in love with when I moved to this area from South Dakota is all the veterans I get to see all the time are so prominent here. It just reminds me of the, the gratitude that we need to have for the country that we live in. So I got to start with a question. This is just maybe more for me than anything, but who here has started Christmas shopping? Anybody? Okay. Yeah. Some of you. Okay. A few of you. Who here? Anybody finished it? Anybody? There's always one. There's all, I guarantee there's always one. You are better than me. You know that? I haven't even started. So let me ask you a question. If there was a Christmas gift that, that, that you could get, say it was a, a, a pair of headphones, and in these headphones, when you put them on, you would hear directly from God. Like he would speak directly to you with these headphones. Would you put that in your Amazon cart? You would, wouldn't you? I mean, I would. I want to hear from God, and I bet you do too. See, God wants to speak to you, and I think many times we think that it's going to happen through some majestic moment. Uh, the, the bush in our backyard is going to start on fire and speak to us, right? We're going to come up from the waters of baptism and the Lord will be speaking down to his son or daughter, right? Or it's going to be that mountaintop moment. By the way, mountaintop moments, they're not what they're cracked up to be, like literal ones. Have you ever climbed like a peak or a mountain? I don't, yeah, you, some of you have, yeah. So like if, if you've never left Iowa or Nebraska, then you've never climbed one, I'll just tell you, okay? They're not here. We have a lot of faith in the Midwest. God says with faith you can move mountains. He's literally moved them all out of the Midwest. So, but when you go to Colorado, like my family did three or four years ago, we went to Colorado to go on a, like a family reunion vacation. And I'd never hiked a peak or anything like that. And we were going to do that. It wasn't like a 14,000 one either, but it was, it was high enough for me. So I thought this will be great. I've never done it. We'll hang out with the family. We'll talk as we're hiking up the mountain. Can I tell you something? It wasn't anything like I thought it would be. Okay, there was no talking at all. It was like us trudging up a mountain, uh, trying not to die. Rocks are falling. People are coming down the mountain, almost running into you. It was treacherous. There was blood, sweat, and tears, all from me. I kid you not. It was not fun. Like, it was a workout. We didn't say a word. We get up to the top, and you think you're going to get to the top of the mountain, and it's going to be amazing. And, it, I mean, the view was incredible. It was. It, it was great. But there was nobody welcoming me. No one threw me a party. There was no, like, massage table like I was expecting to give me a deep tissue before I go back down. Nothing. No one even, even said congratulations to me. It really hurt. So I'll tell you this. We were up there for, we took, oh, we took pictures. Yeah, you got to take your pictures to prove on Instagram that you went on vacation because everybody needs to know that. So we took our pictures, posted them, and then somebody said, and it wasn't the voice of God that said it because I was waiting to hear the voice of God on that mountaintop. I didn't hear God. I think I might have heard Satan three or four times, but not God. And, and, and all of a sudden, I hear a voice, and it was somebody in our party, and they said this. All right, let's head down. And I was like, we've been up here 94 seconds. This is it? Like, this is it. We literally, I think we climbed, it took probably five, six hours, I think. We climb up this mountain. We hang out for a minute and a half. Now we're going to just climb down. I don't get it. I, I don't understand it. It was not, it's, it, I understand that about as much as I understand running marathons. I've never done it. Anybody done it? You're scared to raise your hand. It's okay. So I, I would, yeah, you've done it. I, I, if you've done it once, praise God, you're better than me. Again, I, I, I run when I'm getting chased. That is it. I don't run marathons. Some people run them like for a hobby and they run multiple. Do you know that? It's insane. I'll never understand it. I don't get it. And here's why I'll tell you that is a different breed of people. 
I read a story, don't Google this, but Google it later so you know I'm not lying to you. This is a true story. Two weeks ago, I read a story of a gal that was running a marathon. She's running to beat her personal best time. Halfway through the marathon, that's 13 miles into it if you don't know, 13 to go. Halfway through the marathon, she has to go to the bathroom. Okay, now what three-fourths you just asked yourself, was it number one or number two? And I'll just tell you, okay? It was two. And this woman wanted to beat her personal best, okay, because that matters. And so she's, she's running, and she just says, you know what, I don't want to hurt my time. So she just goes. Yeah. She just, go, it just, she carries her little friend with her for 13 more miles. God, I, what is wrong with you? I don't, I, that, I don't understand it. And here's, I feel bad for her, and I feel bad for the people that had to run behind her. They probably dropped, they're like, what the crap? Literally, I mean, so I just, what is wrong with these people? Okay, mountaintop moments. Back to the, back to the, <laughs> you Google it. It is true, and it is, we're praying for that woman. So here's the thing. Why do I bring all that up? Because in today's story, in a series called Faith Beyond Doubt, say faith. God's going to grow your faith today. I promise you. you. This series, we've looked at some characters in the Bible, real people, that doubted big time, but God used them and grew their faith in the process. Gideon is the guy we're looking at today. If you've never heard of Gideon, well, praise God you're here because you're going to hear about him today. And this man, he's a guy that heard from, heard from God. It wasn't a mountaintop moment, but it was just when Gideon was doing what he was supposed to do when he was supposed to do it. See, you think it's going to be the mountaintop when you're going to hear from God? I'll, I'll contend it's the mundane. It's the mundane, boring moments. When you're attentive to the word of God or you're attentive to the spirit of God, you'll hear from him. I promise you, that's what happened with Gideon. But, but, but let me set it up. So... It, this has kind of been a progression. We started the series with Abraham. We went to Moses. Last week, we went to the Israelites. Those are God's chosen Hebrew people that they're called to go into the land that God promised. That's the land of Canaan or Israel. And they actually made it. If you were here last week, you know they finally made it into the promised land. But guess what? They had all kinds of issues. You know why? They actually invited problems on themselves. See, some of you, you're going through a difficult time today. It, it, whether it's in your finances, whether it's in your marriage, or your children, or your job, or your, your mental state of mind. Some of you, you are going through a, that's why God brought you here today. That's why you're watching online today. Here's what I'll tell you. What if you're inviting the problems in? What if you're actually asking for the tragedy? What if you're actually asking for the issues? What if you're asking for the difficulty? It seems insane. I know it seems nuts. That would be like, before you go to bed at night, you're going to open all the windows in the house, and you're going to open the doors, and you're going to leave the garage wide open, and you're going to make a huge sign that says, come steal from me. You know, that's, that would be insane. But that's what so many people are doing. They're literally saying, you know what, enemy? Come on in. And if, and if you're doing that, you, and you don't know you're doing it when you're doing it, but I promise you, if you're going through a lot of issues like that, that might be the issue you're having. That's what the Israelites did. They brought it on themselves. And that's why God spoke to Gideon. So I'm preaching today out of Judges 6 and 7. Now, Judges is a book in the Old Testament, the seventh book in, and there were 12 judges of Israel. So before Israel had kings like Saul and David, they had 12 judges. You don't know most of them. I couldn't even name all of them for you right now. There's 12 of them. You'd be familiar with, you'd probably be familiar with Samson, right? Samson, one of the judges. You know Samson, he's like the rock, you know, only with long hair. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Ladies focused. Okay, so, um, but he, Samson is this big stud in the Bible, and, but he's not even the most talked about judge. 
Gideon is the most talked about judge in the word of God. A hundred verses in the word of God are devoted to Gideon. And I'll set the stage. Remember how I said the Israelites, the God's chosen people are inviting problems in, inviting issues in, inviting tragedy in. It says in Judges 1, I don't have this on the screen, but I will after this. The Israelites did what was evil in the Lord's sight. This is a common theme throughout the Old Testament for the Israelites. So the Lord handed them over to the Midianites, a, a, a tribe that was an enemy, that they didn't, they didn't actually... See, when, Israelite, when the Israelites went into the Promised Land, they were supposed to kind of drive out the enemy and drive out the people that weren't living like them. But that's where they already screwed up. They didn't do that. They let them stay. And the Midianites were one of those. See, some of you, what you need to do right away is you need to drive out some things in your life. So, so it might be relationships, People that you even love, but they're not living like you know they're supposed to live or like you need them to live for you to live your life. And so I was just talking to a gal. One of the best things I had to do, and it was hard, was, was say no to some relationships that, that were not healthy for me. Well, I'm going I'm to win them closer to Jesus. Well, you know what? It was working the other way. So they, the Midianites were the enemy. And so, and God handed them over. Now, did God do that? On, it really, they handed themselves over for what they did. God just let them do what they want to do. You want to do what's evil? Do what's evil. Because God will allow hardship in your life. He, don't, he won't cause it, but he'll allow it. You know why? Because he's trying to draw you back to him. He knows that if you struggle enough, hopefully, eventually, and some of you, this is why you're here today, you, are, you will come back to him. Back to him. Get close to God. So, 12 judges. And I wrote down, for anybody who thinks that you're not going to be used by God, that you're less than, that, you're, you're, that God will use others, but he won't use you, this message is for you. I think that all, I still think that. It's so crazy what the devil will plant in your head. Judges 6, verse 7, the story of Gideon. When they cried out to the Lord, the Israelites in, uh, of Midian, they, they cried out because of Midian, I should say, the Lord sent a prophet to the Israelites. And the prophet, a prophet was somebody that God would speak through. And he said, this is what the Lord says to you guys, the God of Israel. God says, I brought you up. I brought you up out of the land of slavery in Egypt. I rescued you from the Egyptians and all who oppressed you. There's that word oppressed. Man, go back to last week's message. I drove out all the enemies and gave you their land. So what's God doing right away as he's speaking? He's reminding them of all the times he showed up in their life. See, sometimes you got, you got to remember all the things God's done for you. All the times he has showed up, all the times he's rescued you, all the times he's guided you, all the, time, all the things he has given you out of his generosity. Well, I don't know, my life kind of sucks right now. Well, you know what? If your lungs are breathing, you should give God praise. Well, I don't know, I'm kind of struggling right now. If your heart is beating, you should give God praise. I'm telling you, never, we, we like to highlight the things that are going wrong in our life. What about all the things God has done in your life? I mean, so God, that's why God's telling him, remember who I am. Remember how much I love you. Remember how I've been there for you. So he tells him all these things in verse 10. I told you, I am the Lord your God. You must not worship the gods of the Amorites or anybody else in whose land you now live. But you have not listened to me. And there it is right there. Man, we could, we could stop right here and go home, but I can't let you. It's way too early for that. <laughs> can't do that. I'm a pastor. So, you haven't, if you just listen to God and do what he says, we think it's all going to be, oh, I got to do this and do that and pray this way and do that. Well, I mean, that's all important stuff. But if we just listen to God and do what he says, our life would dramatically change. It, it, it is so, it's so simple. It's just not that easy. You haven't listened to me. That's why you're going through the struggle. That's why you have trouble. That's why you're depressed. That's why you're so anxious. Listen to me. 
rest in me. Then the angel of the Lord came. This is crazy. The angel of the Lord came and sat beneath a great tree of Oprah. And she's been around a long time, right? You get a car and you get a car. Anyway, so, um, which belonged to Joash. Joash is Gideon's dad. So she sits under this tree. She, Oprah's not in the story, okay? That's the name of a place. So I'm getting confused. Great tree of Oprah, which belonged to Joash of the clan of Abizer. This is Gideon's clan. Gideon, here it comes, the son of Joash, was threshing wheat. He's a farmer. He's threshing wheat at the bottom of a wine press, which is weird because you don't thresh wheat in a wine press. You know why he's doing it? Because the Midianites, they would come and ravage the land every year. They'd, they'd take everything, right? God turned them over to the Midianites. So the wheat would normally get threshed up top where the wind blows the chafe away. That's part of the process. Well, Gideon's down in a wine press doing it so the Midians don't find the wheat and take it. So anyway, so um, uh, Gideon is threshing the wheat. That's what farmers do. He's threshing the wheat. And angel of the Lord, verse 12, the angel of the Lord appears to him and says this, mighty hero, Mighty hero, the Lord is with you. So crazy. All Gideon is doing is what he's supposed to do. Remember when I said God will speak to you when you just show up and you're doing what you're supposed to do when you're supposed to do it? But I hate my job. My job sucks right now. Well, that's your job right now. So show up and do it like you're working for the Lord and watch God move in your life. You know what I'm saying? We, 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 we're always waiting. Well, when I get that job or when I get that promotion, when I start making that, when I, when I do that. No, no, no. It's today. You do what you're supposed to do. When you're supposed to do it today, you will rise to the top quickly. That's all Gideon did. That's all he did. And the Lord shows up and speaks to him right there. I mean, think about it. Think about Moses and David. When did the Lord show up? They were tending sheep. Okay? What about, um, let me think of another, Gideon threshing wheat. We've got uh, Peter. What about Peter and the, the, his partners? When God shows up and speaks to them, they're tending nets. They're mending nets. Gideon threshing wheat. Um, I have one more. Matthew. Matthew's collecting taxes. God shows up and speaks. We think, see, it's not about being at the right place at the right time. It's doing what you're called to do when you're supposed to do it each and every day. That's when God will show up and speak. That's it. So, but, and understand this, what God is evaluating when he looks at your life today, even as you sit there right now, what God's looking at is not your potential. He's looking at your obedience. See, this is the key. God does not evaluate potential. He evaluates obedience. And ladies, single ladies, all my single ladies. Oh, those are good. Anyway, so uh, single ladies, here's what I'll tell you. Don't date potential. I've told you this before. You, you know what potential's doing right now? Potential, he's living in his parents' basement playing Fortnite and maybe smoking weed. That's what he's doing, okay? Date someone who loves Jesus and as a bonus has a job, you know? They're, they're, they're both good. So free advice. I'm trying to set you up. So verse 13 so Gideon's speaking to the angel. Sir, if the Lord's with us like you're saying, why has all this happened to us? Where's all the miracles our ancestors talked about? Didn't they say the Lord brought us up out of Egypt, but now the Lord has abandoned us? Are you sure, Gideon? The Lord has abandoned us and handed us over to the Midianites. So, oh man, say doubt. Gideon is doubting God. Gideon right there in that statement, he's doubting God's faithfulness. He's, he's doubting God's truthfulness. I mean, God, has God really abandoned them? No. I always tell people, if you feel far from God, God's not the one who's moved. Thank God you're at an environment today where you can draw close to the Father. Oh, he wants to change your life. So, so Gideon's in this victim mindset, and the Lord turned to him and said, go with the strength you have. Rescue Israel. Gideon, you're the guy. 
You're rescuing Israel from the Midianites. I am sending you. So it's crazy. So, so the angels told him what? I'm with you and I'm sending you. These two declarations alone should have been enough. But they weren't. They weren't. He still questions. He still struggles. It's crazy. See, God can't lie and God can't fail. So if what God said to Gideon was true, Gideon, all you got to do is obey. The rest is taken care of. That's it. That is it. God is that good. I wrote, faith is obeying God despite what you see, despite how you feel, despite what others say. This is a fact. Verse 15, but Lord, here's Gideon again, but Lord, how can I do it? I'm a farmer. I, I mean, how can I rescue Israel? Like my clan, Abizer's clan, this is the weakest clan. And I'm the weakest in the clan. Like, I'm, God, why would you come? I'm the lowest of the low. And that's who God goes after. I love it. That's why, that's why I have a mic right now. Trust me. There's no other reason. I, I need you to know something. Uh, so I'm reading 1 Corinthians right now um, in my time. And in there it says that God, God seeks the powerless to shame the powerful. So God uses the powerless. God uses the unwise. Hello. God uses the unwise to, to give wisdom to, to the ones who think they're wise. God uses, if you feel like you're the least of these today, if you feel like, like, who am I that God would use me? I'm telling you, you're exactly who God's looking for. You are it. That's how Gideon felt. Oh God, who am I? I'm so low. And you might, stop telling yourself that. Stop focusing on like your limitations. Start focusing on God's declaration. If God said it, it's going to happen. You step in. You step in. Oh my gosh, God. So Gideon, will Gideon step in? Let's see. Let's see. Let's go on this journey. Verse 16. The Lord said to him, again, he's telling him again. He's already told him this, but he'll tell him again. He's reminding him because he's doubting. I'm with you. I'll be with you. I will destroy the Midianites. Oh no, I'm sorry. You. Me through you, you will destroy the Midianites as if you were fighting against one man, Gideon. This is how I'm with you. See, you plus God is always the majority. Never forget that. You plus God is the majority. That's what God's trying to get Gideon to understand. Gideon replied, here we go again, if he doubts. If, God, you're truly going to help me, show me a sign. God's like, I'll show you. Anyway, so he says, show me a sign. Give me a sign. Prove that you're really the Lord speaking. Like, like, here, don't go away until I come back and I bring an offering. And the angel answered, I'll stay here. I'll stay here until you return. So Gideon, I'll just paraphrase. Gideon goes. He wants to bring an offering to just make sure this is really the angel of the Lord. So he gets a goat, kills the goat, brings the meat along with bread, brings it back to this place, sets it on a rock. The angel has a staff in his hand. The angel touches it it goes up in flames like that. Okay, that's a sign. That, that, okay, God's telling you that's him. He's speaking. He just made it all like combust right there. That's what happened. Fast forward to verse 33. He's seen the sign. God showed up and did a miracle. Soon afterward, the armies of Midian, that's the enemy, Amalek and the people of the east, these are all uh, people that are the enemy, they form an alliance against Israel and they cross into the Jordan River. So they've crossed into Israel. They've crossed into Canaan, the promised land. So they're crossing into that territory. Form an alliance and they enter into the valley of Jezreel. 
There's 135,000 in the army, in the, in, the, in the enemy army. So you add the Midianites and the Amalekites and the others. 135,000 have gathered for battle. Then the Spirit of the Lord clothed Gideon with power. Oh, man. You hear that? Don't you want to be clothed with the power of God? You can be. You can be. You don't have to be special according to what the world looks at. God already sees you as special. He clothes Gideon with his power. He blew a ram's horn as to call arms of the men together. And they came. He also sent messengers throughout Manasseh, Asher, Zebulun, and Naphtali, summoning the warriors, uh, summoning the troops together. And they all responded. There's about 32,000. 32,000 Israelites are going to battle, but they got 135,000. So, so Gideon's still struggling. He saw the little, the little meat and bread on the rock trick, but now he's, he, now he's doubting again. Listen to what it says. It says, I don't know if I have this on the screen, but I'll tell you. Gideon, the armies are forming, and Gideon says to God, if you're truly going to use me to rescue Israel, and he's still in doubt. If you're truly going to use me to rescue Israel, as you have promised, prove it to me. Prove it to me. And this is what he, and this is what he asks. Like, bring me this, this fleece real quick. So it says in the word of God that, that Gideon, he took a fleece. Now, I don't know if it was a, a green and gray north face or not. I can't tell you that. But, but he, he took a fleece and he said, God, here's what I'm going to do. Like the threshing floor, you know, remember God where I was threshing wheat and where I was supposed to thresh wheat? I'm going to lay a fleece down on the ground. I'm going to put it down here, God. Now, I know the armies are ready to go, but I, let, I need this. I need to know that it's really you. I'm going to put a fleece right here. And here's the deal. If you... I'll know it's you if I wake up in the morning and that fleece is soaking wet and the, and the ground around it is all dry. And God's like, oh boy, okay. So God's pretty gracious to Gideon, I'll tell you that. Gideon goes to bed, wakes up the next morning, there it is. The fleece is soaking wet. Bible says he wrings it out into a bowl it's, it's, and the ground around it is dry. It, it, it's interesting that, that Gideon even does this because I wrote this down. This is like an ultimatum to God. It's like, it's like, God, if this happens, then that. If this is soaking wet, then I'll believe you. Then I'm all in. You ever make those conditions with God? I have. I'll tell you one stupid one that I do sometimes. Um, <laughs> I shouldn't tell you some of these things, but anyway, I'm going to do it. So, so sometimes when I'm driving and I'm late, and I, I hate that, if I'm driving and I'm like, God, if all the stoplights are green as I'm going and they don't turn red, God, I know your hand is on me. And God's like looking down at me like, you're such a moron. So anyway, so they never all stay green. So, but I do this stuff with God. Ladies, do you ever, you ever do it with like maybe a guy you're dating? Like you've dated potential, you know, 13, 14 times on Tinder and it hasn't worked out. And you finally date the guy and he seems normal, like fairly normal. And you're out to eat and he's polite and he's going to pay for the meal. And you're at this place and you want to know from God, God, he's the guy. Is he the man of my dreams? And you, then you give God the old, if you do this, I'll do that, and then I'll know. God, I'll know he's the guy if, like, okay, he's ordering chicken strips right now. God, if he orders ranch with the chicken strips, he's the guy. If he orders ranch with the chicken strips, he's the guy. And all of a sudden, the, guy's like, the waitress is like, would you like anything with those chicken strips? He's like, you know, I'll have the ranch. And she's like, yes! He's like, anyway, so, anyway, so, I don't know why I do this stuff. So, anyway, so, <laughs> um, pray for me. So, Gideon's not done. Remember how the fleece was soaking wet? Gideon, he still doubts. This is nuts. Gideon says, God, he even says in the word of God, God, don't be angry with me. 
Okay, Gideon, if you have to say that to God, he's probably, you shouldn't do what you're about to do. So Gideon says, you know what, God? How about this? I'll put the fleece out. Think about what God already did for him. I'll put the fleece out this time, and I'm going to go to bed again. Armies are still waiting, but I'm going to go to bed again. We'll wait another day. I'll put the fleece out, and if it's in the morning, if it's dry, and the ground around it is soaking wet, then I'll know. And the next verse, it says, God killed Gideon. I'm just kidding. He didn't, but I bet he wanted to. Don't you think? Are you kidding me? How is Gideon not a grace spot right now? I don't get it. God is so gracious with him. God does it. Gideon goes to bed, wakes up the next day, and the fleece, the fleece is completely dry. <laughs> Ava, I'm sorry. She's, this is her jacket. I shouldn't be stepping on. But anyway, so the fleece is dry and the ground is completely wet. It's like God is saying, Gideon, I'm, I got you. I got you. I wrote this down. It's, Gideon is saying this. God, God has to do what I tell him before I'll do what he tells me. Whew. That's not a place you want to live. Gideon is the exception here that God was so gracious with him. You don't want to live that way. God will do what you tell me to do if you do what I tell you to do. That, that's not a good way to live. So chapter 7, let's get to the battle now. He's seen all the signs. Three now, the rock, the bread, the fleece dry, the fleece wet. Okay, Gideon, you ready? Yep. 32,000 to 135,000. And God says, you know what? I don't like those odds. And Gideon's probably thinking, I don't either, God. This doesn't seem fair. So God evens them up. Not by, not by adding to the 32,000, but taking away. Remember, you plus God is the majority. So God says to the 32,000, hey, of the 32,000, any of you men that are, that are scared right now of going into battle and you want to go home to mommy, you can go. 22,000 of them are like, I'm out of here. That's funny. They're like, I'm going back, basement, Fortnite, whatever. I'm, they're done. They, they, 22,000 leave. They're freaking out. So now it's 10,000 to 135,000. And God says, ah, I, need, I don't like those odds because you need to know it's me. You need to know how powerful I am. You need to know how good I am. And God, God, God whittles it down even more. It goes from 32,000 to 10,000 to 300. 300, 300 Israelites against 135,000 enemy. That's what God does. And here's what scripture says in, in chapter seven, verse seven. Then the Lord told Gideon, with these 300 men, I will rescue you. I will give you victory over the Midianites. Send them all home. Send the others home. And verse nine, that night the Lord said, get up, it's time. Go, go into the Midian camp. I've given you victory over them. And you know what? He did. That's exactly what they did. The 300 went and took down 135,000. How? How is that even possible? How can you even explain that? How could you? You can't explain something like that, which leads me to a point that I need you to, I hope you own it. If you can explain everything that God is doing in your life, then God's not doing it. Okay? If you can explain everything going on in your life right now, God ain't doing it. See, he's a God of the unexplainable. He's, if we can explain everything happening at Meadows Church right now, God ain't doing it. I can't explain a guy stealing a church trailer, burning it to the ground, then giving his life to Christ, and now he's part of the church that he stole from. See, I can't explain that. I, uh, I can't explain it. I can't. I don't want to explain. I, I, I love stories you can't explain because it's only God. Only God could take, use 300 to take down 135,000. And God says, I, I like that. I like when you talk like that. See, I, don't, I, don't, I can't explain a lot of things. You know what I can't explain? I can't explain how this, this location that we, we've only been here less than a month. 
the, the location's been here over 10 years. So we, we move in, and in less than a month, all of a sudden, they're going to pave the road all the way, or pave the road. Okay, I can't explain that. Why, why? What about the other 10 years? Nothing happened? You know what else I can't explain? And this will probably shock you, because I just found out about it this week. I can't explain this, how the, the, this property... Been, been, been available for sale for, I don't know, has it been eight, nine months, something like that? We move in, and it sells last week. Yeah. I know what you're asking. Well, well who bought it? I have no idea. I don't, I, and I don't even care. Because you know what? If this is where God wants us, we'll be here. I promise you that. See, I can't explain a lot of things. I don't have a clue who bought it. And you know what God told me? You know, last week I talked about a, a year-end faith offering that we're doing. And this is not a tithe. Or it's an it's a, it's a over-and-above offering that you pray about and you partake in if God tells you to. But you know why we're doing it? Somebody asked me about it last week, and I was casting vision. And, and, and here's the thing. God is saying, I want to be a God of the unexplainable, but I'm also a God, for Meadows Church specifically, for expansion. Say expansion. When you hear expansion, don't think property don't think buildings. That's so minor compared to God. I heard when they told me it sold, I'm like, that's great. Whatever. I, I, if we're going to be here, we're going to be here. And if God doesn't have us here, he has something better. Not even concerned. Not even concerned. Whatever. That's great. I, I like all these things are happening now that we're here, which is great. That's God's moving. So um, the faith offering See, I think God wants us to put our faith. That's what faith is. Faith is putting, putting your faith in something before something happens. So we're believing in expansion. When I say expansion, I'm talking people. I'm talking kingdom. I'm talking expansion for you with your job and, and, and in your household. Expansion for people that you know that are lost, that are going to be found. For friends that, that are living apart from God, but they're going to live close to God. This is expansion that's way bigger than our little temporal minds think about. Buildings and property. God owns it all. Not concerned about that. What God really wants to know is, are you in for the kingdom of God? And will, will you invest in that? And that's what the year-end faith offering, that's going to be December 5th, by the way. So it's, it's weeks away. But I just need to cast vision to it now. I kept writing this down. What, what God did with 300 people, well, he did a miracle. You saw him wipe out the Midianites. What can God do with 300 faithful people? See, what can God do? What can God do in your marriage and with your children, in your family? You're going to find out in about, about four minutes how personal this message is for you, for you and me. What can God do with 300 faithful people at Meadows Church? God says, you show me 300 people. You show me 300 people who have nothing but faith and love nothing but God, and I'll show you a church that will shake the gates of hell. That's the church he's called us to be. It's personal to God. He's calling us to take a stand. That's why we give to God. That's why we invest in the kingdom. That's why Meadows exists. It isn't just to get property or fill seats. It's to change lives. That's what God wants in your life. So you're... Let me show you how personal it is. So I, I get to the message about the 300 beating the 135, and you think, okay, that's the message. That's the pinnacle of the story. That's the victory. It wasn't. Do you know what God showed me? Where the victory really happened was the victory before the victory. It was the victory I skimmed over because I've read the story before. So I'm skimming through Judges. I'm like, oh, yeah, there it is. There is where he takes the 300, and he sticks it to him. And God's like, Monty, you missed it. That's not what you're going to highlight for the people on Sunday. What you're going to highlight is the victory before the victory. 
And he brings me back to three verses. Three verses I've already skipped over with you today. But I'm going to go back like God told me to go back. Judges 6, 25 through 27. This is, after, remember, the, remember the rock and the bread trick? Psh, gone. After that happened and before the fleece thing, in between there is what God wants you to highlight today. This is the victory before the victory. Listen to the word of God. That night, that night the Lord said to Gideon, Gideon, I need you to take a second bull from your father's herd. The one that's seven years old. And then Gideon, you're going to pull down the fa your father's altar to Baal, a false god, and cut down the Asherah pole, Asherah, another false god. You're going to cut him down, the one standing beside it. What's God saying? God is telling you that Gideon's family is lost. Gideon's father worships a pagan god, a false god. Understand something. If Gideon goes and fights against the Midianites in the name of the Lord, he is defying his father. He is defying his family. He's defying his neighbors. He's defying that the masses that, that would, would um, worship a false god. It, it's crazy. It was personal to God. I wrote down, it wasn't about just victory over the Midianites. It was about victory over anything holding his family back from God. God was going after Gideon's family. God was going after his dad, his mom, his, his brothers, his sisters. It's so personal to God. We think, oh, it's big victory and that army's killing that army. Oh, you don't. God says, it's so personal. What I want to do in your life is so personal. Gideon, it, I didn't just choose you because you were threshing wheat. I chose you because I saw your family. I see your dad, Joash, he's lost. They're worshiping a false God. They're falling from me. They don't know me. You know me, they don't know me. It's way bigger than what you think, Gideon. So you're going to rip down the altar. You're going you're gonna to sacrifice one of your dad's bulls, and you're going to rip down the pole. You're using that pole for kindling. Gideon has to take a stand in his own home before he takes a stand in the world. See, some of us, we want victory in, in a career, in a business, in a big way. We're going to make a big impact, and I believe God wants you to make a big impact. But we won't make a big impact if we need stuff to do in our home that's not done. God says, I want to give you a victory in your home. I want to give you a victory in your marriage. I want to give you a victory in your singleness. I want to give you a victory with your child. That one that's hurting, that one that's lost, that one that needs you. I'm going to show you a victory in your family. And then I'm going to move bigger in your life. But, but, but Gideon, you, you, I want victory in your home. Yeah, I want you to beat the 135. I'm not worried about that. I'm God. I'm the majority. We got it. What about your dad? What about your dad? And God says, tear them down. What do you got to tear down in your life? That's it. That's your action item. There's something that you need to tear down. This false idol in your life. And it may not be something that's bad or evil in the world's eyes. Many times the idols in our life are something, some things that are very good. They're just not God. God says, tear it down. Verse 26. Then build an altar to the Lord, Gideon. You're God. Build it on the hilltop sanctuary. Lay the stones carefully. Sacrifice that bull, you know, the one that's seven years old, as a burnt offering, and use as fuel the wood from the pole. That God, that Asherah, cut it down, burn it. You can't build an altar to the Lord, an altar to the Lord, without first ripping down the idols in your life. That's what he's telling him. You're gonna build an altar, but first rip it down. First you tear it down. What, God, what does God need you to tear down? Anything you put before God's going to keep you from God. Anything that you put before God, your children, 
your job, your family, your finance, anything you put before God. The year-end faith offering, if you're struggling with that, you're like, God, I feel guilt. I know that God doesn't guilt. That's the, well, the Holy Spirit convicts. God says, I want all of you. Rip it down, tear it down. Greed, shame, guilt. What, what's holding you back? Verse 27, so Gideon took 10 servants. This is so funny because you think this is the majestic moment when Gideon says, all right, I'm doing it. I'm ripping it down. I'm killing the bull. But Gideon, remember Gideon isn't all that faithful. He's full of doubt. It's hilarious. Gideon takes 10 guys and did as the Lord commanded, but he did it at night because he was scared. So he's like, guys, we're doing it, but we're going to do it real quietly at night because I don't want to die. You know, so, but he does it. And they do it, and, the, and they wake up the next day, and he could die for this, and they wanted to kill him. They wake up, dad wakes up, Joash is like, all right, let's go worship Baal, let's go worship Asherah. And they're like, what the crap? Plus, I'm missing a bull in my yard. You know, what is going on here? What has happened? And, and the tri- you know what the people say? It was Gideon, let's kill him. It was personal. Judges 6.31, but Joash, the dad, shouted to the mob, Look at his change of heart. He, remember, he worships Baal. Joash says, why are you defending Baal? Will you argue his case? Whoever pleads his case will be put to death. And now Joash is saying, wow. His whole heart has changed. Now he's saying, if you worship that God that I used to worship yesterday, you worship him, we'll kill you. That's not God. If Baal is truly a God, let him defend himself and destroy the one who broke down his altar. God is changing Joash. God is changing his family. God is changing hearts. It was personal. Say it's personal. That's why you're here, because it's personal to you and God. Let's close where we started. Do you you guys remember the first words the angel spoke to uh, Gideon? It's nuts. First time we see Gideon speak and first time he's spoken to, remember, he's threshing the wheat down in the wine press, right? So he doesn't get caught. I'll remind you, Judges 6, 12, the angel appears to him and says, mighty hero. Mighty hero. The Lord is with you. I don't even, I can't comprehend that. He is a farmer who has no faith at all. And he's a mighty hero? Are you sure? He he needed three signs. The fleece, the fleece again, the rock, the meat. He needed all that. You had to tell him four different times that you're God and you're with him and he's going to get victory. Mighty hero? Here's what I wrote down. Gideon was not a man of faith. Make no mistake. He wasn't. He wasn't a man of faith or courage when the angel called him a mighty hero. See, the world sees you for where you've been and what you've done. But God sees you for where you are today and what he's called you to do. They see your past. God sees your purpose. That's what we live in. That's who he is. That's the God we serve. God, how do you see Gideon as a special person? Ah, you don't get it. I don't just see Gideon. I see the dad. I see the mom. I see his brother. I see it all. We're, we're a church that exists to lead people to Christ and their God-given purpose. You know what people, you know, you know what the lie is? People think purpose is some mountaintop. Purp, what's my purpose? When I get that right job and I get that right amount of money and I get that right career and that right person and that right house and that right city, 
then I've reached my God-given purpose. No, no, no. Your God-given purpose is not a destination. Your God-given purpose is a journey. That's what it is. Do you know, that you're, you know what your God-given purpose is? Do what God's calling you to do right now. That's your purpose. Stop living so far in the future that you miss out on what was going on right now. Your God-given purpose is to tear it down. Tear it freaking down. Whatever's holding you back from going all in. That's what God says. Tear it down. I wrote down, is it fear? Is it selfishness? That was me. Still is many days, unfortunately. Is it greed? Is it pride? And is it what it leads to? Like me, greed and selfishness leading to addiction. What is it for you? Is it your kids? Is it your family? Is it your spouse? Are they the idol in your life? Do you love them more than you love God? If God said you, you can choose me or your spouse, whew, it gets real. And he's not saying you have to give it up. He's so good you can have both. He, he's so good, but he, he, he knows what's best for us. What do you need to tear down? Jesus Christ, you know who, what he tore down? Himself. He ripped it all down. It's crazy. You know why Jesus ripped it all down on a cross? Because he knew, he knew it had to be ripped down before it can be built back built, built, Stuttering, I'm getting, getting excited. Before it can be built back up. That's what he knew. That's what the cross of Christ is all about. <laughs> Who's ready for the gospel? Man, I want to invite the band to come up. And as they come up, I'll tell you that Jesus goes to a cross for you and for me. You have something to tear down in your life. The first thing is self. It's always the first thing, tearing down self. You know, people think the invitation to Jesus, oh, it's going to be amazing. It is. It's going to be fruitful. It is. It's going to be easy. That's a lie. It is not easy. You know what Jesus', you know what Jesus invitation is? <laughs> it's, it's, you won't think it's attractive, but it's the truth but nobody wants to talk about it. You know what his invitation is to you? Come and die. That's what it is. Come and die. It, it's not, when you know who I am and you accept what I want to do in your life, you won't want to live for the things that you live for right now. You won't want to pursue the things you're pursuing right now. I have so much more for you, for your family, for your friends, for your children. Come and die. That could have been the name of our church, but I don't know how many people would come. Hey, you want to come to come and die church? I think I'm busy, football, you know? So, I mean, it's, 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 Jesus tore it down so he could build it back up. So here's what went down, and this is the crux of Christianity. You need to know it. It's the greatest news in the world that Jesus lived a perfect life and never did anything wrong. God knows we're sinful. God knows we have greed. God knows we have doubt. God knows we have dysfunction. God knows we engage in premarital sex. God knows that we, we, we sin and we swear and we, we, we lost and we do these things. God knows that. It's our sinful heart. You already know that. I'm not telling you anything you don't know. So God sends Jesus, who doesn't do any of those things, to be this perfect sacrifice for us. And, and I always tell you, the gospel, the good news, people that go to heaven, they're not good, they're saved. People that go to heaven, they're not good, they're forgiven. People that go to heaven, they're not good, they're covered by the grace of God. The grace of God sent Jesus to a cross. And Jesus went willingly. That's how much he's in love with you. He ripped his life down. He, he, he tore it down from heaven. That's where he resided. And he comes down to earth as a human, lives a perfect life, and then goes to a heinous cross and dies a disgusting death. And why does he do it? The love of the Lord compels him. 
the love. He says, I will tear it down. They will rip me down. They will beat me down. They will strike me down. But I won't stay down. That's what he said. Why didn't he stay down? Because he's God. Because he's the son of God. And the center of Christianity is this, that they took him down from the cross. They put him inside a tomb. But three days later, when they, when they went and checked out the tomb, Jesus wasn't there. Why? Because our King, our Savior, our Lord, our God, our mighty Savior, our everlasting friend rose from the dead. He defeated sin. He defeated death. He defeated the devil. The resurrection is the reason that you and I have hope. If you believe it, give God some praise for about 15 seconds. Come on, I give Him praise. Father, we thank you. Father, we love you. The tomb is empty. We have hope. So that's it. If the tomb isn't empty, we're dead. If the tomb's empty, and it is, God's not done. Salvation isn't a prayer you pray. It isn't just a one time like, oh my gosh, I checked a box. I want you to check a box because it tells me what God's doing in your life. On the connect card, online, type I choose Jesus in the comments. It tells us what God's doing in your life. I want you to surrender to God. Everything. What's the one thing holding you back? 95% surrender is no surrender at all. What's holding you back? What do you need to tear down to go all in for Jesus today? It won't be easy. God doesn't promise easy. He just promises abundant. He promises fruitful. He promises beautiful. Surrender your life. Call on the name of Jesus. The Bible says when you call on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, ask Jesus to come into you and make you new, the Holy Spirit will enter into you, physically enter into you. That's a fact. And save you. You won't be perfect right away, but you'll start seeking the one who is. And day by day, hour by hour, minute by minute, he'll change you. He'll change you. It'll be painful some days, but he'll change you. I'm going to pray for you. And then you can pray for each other. And I, I, don't freak out when I say that, okay? Some of you, you, you get tense. And, and I'd say the ones that get tense, you're the ones that probably need to lean in. God loves, God loves uncomfortable. He loves it. It wasn't comfortable getting nailed to a cross, but man, I'm, I'm sure glad Jesus did it. So what I mean by that is I'm going to pray. Fill out cards. If you're a first-time guest, fill out a card. Let us give you a gift. If God's moving in your life, fill out a card. Let us know what God is doing. If you have a prayer request, you're going to pray for each other right now in rows and circles or whatever you do. Prayer team will be up here as well. Uh, there's a prayer request place on the Connect card online. Type, or what is it? Prayer now to 474747. So I'll pray. And then, and then all you got to do is just turn to your neighbors and just pray with them. Don't freak out. If you don't want to say anything, don't say anything. But God, I hope you don't run out. I hope you don't because... You might think, well, I don't need prayer. Well, what, what about the person that next to you that does? See, Christianity, you know what the definition is? It's not about you. It's not about me. Not when I have the Holy Spirit. It's always about the person that doesn't know Jesus. It always is. Father, in the name of your son, Jesus Christ, I thank you for everybody here today and everybody watching online. I don't, it's no accident that they're here. You're moving. I thank you that you're the God of the unexplainable. I pray that there's so many stories that happen in the lives of people today that are unexplainable. I pray that when they go home and they think, God, what is, what's unexplainable in my life? You'll show them things that you've done. And if they can't think of anything, maybe you're telling them to start walking by faith. 
and start taking steps and start tearing some things down because there should be some unexplainable things happening if we're a Christian, if we're a follower of yours. God, for anybody that needs to surrender their life to you right now, I pray they do it in the name of Jesus. They ask you to come into them and make them new. They believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, that he died on a cross and that he rose from the dead. The resurrection is the key. If that didn't happen, it's, it's game over. If it happened, it's game on. And it's game on. So Father, move like only you can move. And I'm praying for courage right now for everybody here that as they turn to a neighbor or a friend or a family member in about 14 seconds, that they'll, they'll pray together as a family because that's what we are. I don't want to just say it. I want to do it. There's people here that are dying inside. There's people here that are desperate. People here that are scared. People here that don't know what they're going to do. God, move in their life. Move, move, move. We love you, Father. We thank you for Jesus. We thank you for Gideon. Talk about a dude that struggled with faith, but yet you were so gracious to him. You were so patient with him. Father, thank you for who you are and what you do. Thank you for saving us from hell, from sin, from death, from ourself. We love you. We pray this in Jesus' name, and the church says, amen. Hey, I want to thank you so much for tuning in today. But don't stop there. I invite you to like or subscribe to our social channels. That way you don't miss a single video, update, or message. But not only that, would you consider sharing this message with a friend, coworker, family member? I mean, so many people need hope and encouragement, and you have the ability to bring it directly to them. Finally, one more thing. I want to ask that you would consider giving financially to this ministry. I mean, God has done so much, but yet we believe he wants to do so much more, like so many more people he wants to reach, so much more hope he wants to give, so many more lives that he wants to save, and your investment can help make that happen. So again, thank you so much. I love you, and God loves you more. God bless you.